Well, today, of course, we celebrate a miracle, uh, the miracle that is at the foundation of our faith, that God raised Jesus from the dead to a new form of unending life. That is the foundation of the Christian faith. That is the claim that we make on this day. But many people are skeptical of this claim. Uh, Some skeptics say that the apostles had a vision of Jesus, or maybe they were hallucinating that that the idea of the resurrection is kind of a a wish fulfillment on the part of those who love Jesus so much. But the Gospels all claim something different. They say that Jesus' physical body was raised, that the apostles saw Jesus' physical body and touched the risen Christ, and that is why they testified that Jesus is alive at great risk to their, to their own safety. Uh, we saw a uh, reading from the book of Acts where Peter, who was once afraid to go out into the public, he was hiding, the scripture says, after the death of, of Jesus. He was hiding with the other disciples. They were afraid of the religious leaders. But then we find him after he's met the risen Christ and been filled with the Holy Spirit out in public declaring that Jesus Christ is risen. This is what they believed. They were willing to die for this testimony that Jesus is alive. What about you? In this age of skepticism, what does it take to move from unbelief to belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And what difference does it make, after all, if we believe Jesus is risen. Oh, I want to address those questions by looking at our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28. The story of Mary Magdalene and the other Mary who are at the tomb of Jesus. The other Mary, probably not the mother of Jesus, but the mother of some of Jesus' followers. Mary was a, a very common name in New Testament times. But I want to look at this under three headings. Unbelief, belief, and then actions that follow from belief. Unbelief, belief, and then actions that follow from believing that Jesus is risen. First, unbelief. The women who came to the tomb of Jesus did not expect to find an empty tomb. They did not expect to encounter the risen Christ. Mark tells us in his Gospels that the reason the women came to the tomb was to bring spices so that they could bury the body of Jesus, Mark 16.1. So they were there to anoint his body. They were there to pay respect. As faithful Jews, they had to wait till Sunday, the day after the Sabbath, before they could engage in this work. But that's what they, they came for, to, to give Jesus a proper burial. Obviously, they didn't believe that he was going to be raised. Now, Jesus had predicted his suffering on the cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection on the third day, but there's no indication anywhere in these post-crucifixion accounts, there's no indication that the disciples believed Jesus' words. You don't see them after Jesus' death kind of consoling one another and saying, now just wait on the third day. Remember what he said. He's going to prove that he's the Messiah. No, they're not doing that. They're afraid. They're mourning. 
They're shaking their heads and saying to one another, we thought he was the one. We thought he was the Messiah. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus did not fit their expectations. So at first, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And so I want to say to you this morning, if you're here today and you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, or if you have trouble believing in the resurrection of Jesus, the earliest followers did too. That's okay. We're glad you're here. The church ought to be a place where we welcome people with different questions and doubts, skeptics and seekers. But we also need to, I think, sometimes be skeptical of our skepticism. We need to question our questions. Uh, We live in this remarkable age of science and technology, and I think sometimes we're tempted to think that science alone, technology alone, has all the answers. When my wife got her first iPhone, our kids had a lot of fun asking Siri some some deep questions. I don't know if you did that when you first got your, your iPhone. But I came across a website that records some of Siri's answers to deep questions, such as, Siri, what is the meaning of life? Answer, all the data suggests chocolate. <laughs> that's, not a bad, that's not a bad answer. Glorify God, enjoy Him forever, that would be my answer, and then chocolate would maybe be down the line there. That's not a bad answer. Hope you had chocolate this Easter you're going to. Siri, what am I here for? Answer, I'm still, still trying to figure that out myself. Our technology, our science, can't answer the existential questions that every serious person asks. This week I glanced at the New York Times bestseller list, and as far as I could tell, there were at least uh, three books in that top 25 list that had to do with spirituality. Number two, heaven is for real. Down the line, 10% happier, which is a book on spirituality and meditation. Number 23 was proof of heaven. All right. I don't know, I haven't read any of these books, I don't endorse them, but they're me, they're just an indication in this scientific, technological age that the human heart longs for something more than the material realm. And the biblical view, the Christian faith says, there is something more. There is more than what science and technology can capture. There's more than your everyday experience would lead you to believe. The claim is that there is a God who created this universe. There's a God who knows you and cares about you and cares about his creation. And because he loves his creation, he intervenes, he acts, he breaks into history, into time and space, sometimes in miraculous ways. And the most dramatic intervention, the biggest footprint he leaves is on Easter Sunday when he raised Jesus from the dead. The women who came to the tomb did not expect this. But God broke in, and they began to believe. Matthew tells us there was this great earthquake, and and then this flash of light, and and an angelic being shining like lightning, saying, do not be afraid, which is a good thing to say after you've experienced an earthquake, and this blinding light of an angelic being. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who has been crucified. He's not here, for he's risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. The tomb is empty. Come and and look. It's empty. And that's important. 
Because, listen, if the tomb wasn't empty, if Jesus had not been raised, all the enemies of the church had to do is as soon as the apostles started saying Jesus is alive, all they had to do is say, everybody come this way. Let me show you where Jesus is. They would show them the remains and the gig would be up. It would be over. But they didn't do that. There's no, no indication at all. The body was gone. The tomb was empty. Because Jesus is alive. And joy and belief begins to well up in the hearts of the women. And then as soon as they, they begin to run to tell the disciples, the risen Jesus meets them. How much more adrenaline can these ladies take? <laughs> Verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings, and they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. Why did they take hold of his feet? To verify that this is the same person who they saw die on the cross with his hands and feet nailed to the cross. And so now their fledgling belief begins to develop from fledgling belief to firm conviction. Listen to this. Somebody has said that a belief is what you hold, a conviction is what holds you and do you know that it's possible friends do you know that it's possible to have such a conviction that jesus is alive that to know the living christ it's such a a possibility to be so convinced of his reality that it becomes a bedrock in your life that can sustain you through all the ups and downs the storms and trials of life how how is that possible how can we become convinced how can we believe we we can't see jesus physically like these women did we can't touch him it was necessary for jesus to convince his disciples beyond a reasonable doubt that he was alive because they were the primary beginning witnesses and so for most of the disciples seeing was believing seeing and in some cases touching was believing today two thousand years ago Hearing is believing. Most of us in this room, all of us in this room who believe that Jesus is alive do so because we have heard this apostolic testimony and we have put our trust and faith in him and in this message. And that's how we come to belief in Jesus Christ. Do you believe what you hear? Do you believe these witnesses who gave their life for this testimony? In John 20, 29, Jesus says to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That is the normal way of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Hearing and then believing the witness, trusting the witness. You don't have to have all your questions answered to believe. You just take a step towards the light that God has revealed. You don't have to have every T crossed and every I dotted to have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, that's effective, that's enough. Just begin to step towards the light that Christ has revealed. And then many of us have found that as we've done that, as we've responded to this apostolic message, God has provided confirmation through our life as we've gone throughout our life. He's confirmed his reality. I read just this week of a, of a man who met Christ in a rather dramatic way. He said, I was demanding evidence in the form of an argument from God. God gave me evidence of his presence. And his presence came into my room in such a dramatic way 
he would not let me go. And I've heard that many times in people's life, that God's presence became a reality. We experience the presence of Christ in prayer and worship during Holy Communion. Jesus is alive. John Henry Newman, the, the, the theologian, said that we arrive at religious conviction through a series of things that begin to accumulate over time. Things like experience, religious experience, and, and we start to believe ideas. And he said that religious conviction is like a cable that's made up of several threads. These threads on their own maybe are, are rather weak, but taken together, they're like the strength of an iron rod. As we respond to what the scriptures say about Jesus, taking a step of trust, God begins to weave these threads together and we can know the reality of Christ. Not that we, we, we have all of our questions answered, but at the core of our being, we can have an iron rod of conviction of the reality of Jesus. So that's what's happened. These women have gone from unbelief, faltering faith, to firm conviction, meeting the risen Christ, and then they act. They act. And there's two actions that we see here that flow from knowing that Jesus is alive. Worship and witness. That's what we see them doing. Matthew says they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. Jesus is worthy of worship. Because he's alive, everything that he said about himself is true. He is the Messiah. His death really is a sacrifice for our sin. He said that at the Last Supper. That's what his death was going to be. He really is the Lord over death and hell and the grave. Jesus said that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead, and everyone is going to have to give an account to him. And because he is risen from the dead, that's true. All this is true. No one has ever died and come back to life never to die again. No one in human history has made this claim. If he wasn't raised, then he's a mistaken Messiah. And he was delusional. But the resurrection verifies his claims. So he's worthy of worship. And that's why we as a church, we gather Sunday by Sunday, we gather to worship him because he's worthy. He deserves it. He is the Lord. He's the ruler. He's the master. He's the king. And then they witnessed to him. Jesus sent them to witness that he is alive. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will see me there. Go and tell. The, the first witnesses to the resurrection were these women. And that's kind of remarkable if you think about it in first century culture. Because the women were, I hate to say it, the women in that culture were second-class citizens. But Jesus gives dignity and value to these women because they're the first witnesses. That's how it is in the kingdom of Christ. Jesus lends dignity and value to those who are often overlooked. But here's the other significant thing about the women being witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. Some of you lawyers might appreciate this, that in the first century, a, a woman's testimony was not allowed in court. And, and, and so, if the apostles were making this story up, why in the world would they have women be the first witnesses? Because that's a weak testimony. Why didn't they write themselves in? 
as the first witnesses. No, the reason they didn't do that is because that, that's not what happened. These women were the first witnesses. They were the first worshipers of the risen Christ. And that's what should flow from knowing that Christ is alive. Our, our life together as Church of the Resurrection ought to be focused on worshiping Jesus Christ and witnessing to him. We're at a turning point in the life of our church. Church, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be in another location. What are we going to do? What are we going to focus on? What's the future like for us? Our focus needs to be, I can't think of any better focus or foci than worship and witness. Worshiping Jesus with all of our heart, with reverence and awe, giving our hearts to him and our minds to him, and then witnessing to people in the community and saying, he's alive. Here's what he's done in my life. That's a great focus, worship and witness. I'm going to close with this story. An atheist once gave a speech to an enormous crowd in the Soviet Union, former Soviet Union. He, he, he got up and he mocked the Christian faith. He said, it's all a fantasy. It's not Jesus, but Marx. It's, it's Marx and Lenin who's the Savior, who are going to be the saviors of the world, he said. The atheist was eloquent in his scorn of the Christian faith. And when he finished, an Orthodox priest got up and said, can I just say two words? Can I just say two words? His two words in Russian are, are, are translated by three words in English. And this is what he said. Christ is risen. And the enormous crowd roared back in response to what they had learned in childhood. He is risen indeed. He's the hope of the world. Do you believe it? In the face of skepticism, we have reasons to believe that Jesus is alive. Let's worship him. Let's witness to him. He is our hope. He's your hope. He's the hope of the world. Christ is risen. Amen. Let's pray.